Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Mashals Buttons Mashcast. I am Jarrett and I'm here with Games Industry Public Defender and the Scourge of Ironforge, Nick Zelenkevich. Not tonight. No, Nobody is the Scourge of Ironforge tonight. Yeah, apparently. Well, actually, tonight is, uh, well, today is uh, release day for Warlords of Draenor. Yes, it is. And uh, problems abound. Yeah. Um, yeah, the servers are basically uh, bugged to shit. And uh, they had to limit the number of people they can get on any given server. So even the medium and low pop servers, the number of people on there is less than people on the server. So just about every server has a queue. So if you're in there, Good job. Stay in there. Don't don't sleep. Don't go to work. Keep playing. And uh, if you're not, just wait in the queue because those people are gonna have to are gonna fall asleep or go to work. So you'll get in eventually. And uh, in the meantime, Blizzard will get this fixed. So it, it'll all be good. Okay. Yeah. So the last two weeks we had you know some plans to release some new podcasts. Obviously that didn't happen. Uh, we've been radio silent for the last two weeks. We did release uh, the first episode of Double Tap. On Wednesday, I believe we released it on Wednesday. Uh, so hopefully you've checked that out. Uh, if not, it's available on the site and on SoundCloud right now. Um, and we still are going to do Feed the Carry, which is going to be our mobile mobile podcast. But that's going to be uh, ready in a, in a few weeks. Uh, but since we haven't, you know, been around for two weeks, there's quite a bit to talk about. Uh, thankfully, Gamers Gate. Is dying out. That's what I'm ha- happiest about. It is, it is, Gamergate. It, yeah, Gamergate. Gamergate. You keep saying Gamersgate. It's Gamergate. Yeah, they actually sent a press release out about that, too. That Gamersgate is not associated with Gamergate. And then they, they the press release had like their history and stuff like that in it. So I feel kind of bad. I read the press release, and I'm like, ah, uh, sorry, guys. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, Gamergate is flaming out. And uh, we can get back to some gaming news right in time for the holiday season, thankfully. So, uh, but let's get into the news bites. Uh, first off, uh, article came through uh, GameSpot. We're talking about you know uh, Batman Arkham Arkham Knight doesn't have co-op, and the article uh, talks about why. Well, briefly. So uh, basically, uh, what Rocksteady has said is that. Well, actually, I'll read you the quote as soon as it loads. There we go. So Rocksteady says we're making a Batman game. Uh, for us, that means getting the player to be Batman. It's a single-player experience where you get to pick up the controller and wear the cowl and be that guy, so there won't be any co-op. Uh, you know, they're trying to make the ultimate Batman simulator, pretty much, which is a solo endeavor. For yeah, the most Batman, part. Batman had Robin and Batgirl, and wasn't there a Bat-Dog at one point? I don't remember that, but it may be. Maybe in some offshoot or something like that. But yeah, so, uh, I mean, I can appreciate that. I can appreciate them wanting to make the very best Batman game they can so they forsake co-op. I can totally appreciate that. Because no, I mean, nobody buys a AAA title for co-op except Borderlands or games made specifically for co-op. You know, Borderlands, Left 4 Dead, stuff like that. So I can appreciate that. Even then, it's not just that the game itself may not lend itself to co-op, but it's that the, the media itself doesn't let, lend itself to co-op. The, you know, the, the myth of being the Batman, at least as they want to tell it, it's the Batman. You know, you're just one guy going out and, you know, wrecking shit up. So you can't have, you can't have somebody with you if you're going to wreck shit up. This is true. I mean, in uh, Arkham City, 
I believe, yeah, in Arkham City, there were some uh, cameos from Mike Robin, and I can't remember if Nightwing makes a cameo, but of course, you actually had to play playable Catwoman, but still, it's, you know, you, it would be kind of cool to be able to uh, play through that, like, you know, like a 3D brawler with a co-op person, but if, with what I've seen of Arkham City, of Arkham Knight, it's just, nah, it, it'll let them make the ultimate Batman simulator, because it's actually looking pretty good. Compared to Batman Origins, which wasn't bad, but could have been better. <laughs> so, uh, let's see what else we got here. Oh, Bethesda, they finally uh, confirmed that Prey 2 is officially dead. Until it's not. Well, they said that they're going to, you know, they still have the IP, so they may do something with that in the future. But uh, they, they, here's a quote uh, from Pete Hines. He says, it wasn't up to our quality standard and we did it. We decided to cancel it. It's no longer in development. That wasn't an easy decision, but it's one that won't surprise many folks, given that we hadn't been talking about it. And I'm like, you know, that's cool. Like, I was kind of looking forward to it because I really, really liked the original Prey. The original Prey I thought was really good, uh, highly underrated. And uh, this one looked interesting with the, with the bounty hunting and stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, I guess they couldn't figure out what to do with it. I mean, no, I mean, they've, it kind of left a, a clear door open at the end of the first Prey. Like, hey, you know, these these people from this planet. Well, actually, if you if you haven't played Prey by now, I think the statutes of limitations are up. You know, so basically, at the at the end of the first Prey, you find out. Um, you, know, you say, you, well, during Prey, you find out that humans were living on that space station, kind of in secret. And then you find out at the end of Prey, like, the big boss, the the chick that's talking to you the whole time, she actually used to be human. Apparently what they do is, uh, you know, somebody ascends to the top of this space station, they defeat the boss alien, and then take its place. You know, it's kind of like uh, Final Fantasy X, where, uh, you beat Final Fantasy X, Nick? Oh, yeah, yeah. Where, you know, you they, 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 they summon the Aeon... And yeah. then the AM that summon that defeats the the evil gets you know turns into the evil itself and kills the summoner. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of like that. But in the, in, at the end of Prey, instead of uh, you know turning bad, you uh, you stay good and you throw the space station into the sun or whatever. But at the very end of it, like you know, one of the people you meet, the the humanoids you meet, they actually live on a different planet. And you, you you go there after they tell they say that they, you're needed there or something like that. So, um, so there's there's definitely stuff they could do there. I'm just uh, I wish they would do it. Cause I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, but next news bite, moving right along. Uh, let's see, Patrice Dieselets he unveiled he created a new studio. Uh, called what is that? Panache. Antler Games. <laughs> is that Panache? Digital it is Panache. Games. It is Panache yeah. Digital Games. But the but the uh, <laughs> the funny thing is is um the symbol are basically like digital antlers. That that's what it is. And I don't think they have any uh any game. They no no games. Well, I shouldn't say any games lined up, but nothing they've showed us so far. So they had that. He had that one. He was working with THQ, but then he got let go from THQ. Oh no, THQ got bought, and then he got let go from that. So. So, so what's the over-under on him getting let go from Panache at some point? Yeah, I'm thinking he's going to stick around there. Because he owns it. Well, for now. For now, yeah. 
he might realize he's a terrible employee and have to let himself go. <laughs> the best thing that could happen is that Ubisoft loses interest in Assassin's Creed somehow, and they buy it from them, and he can finish what he started. I think Ubisoft may be losing interest in Assassin's Creed, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see what else we got. Um, might well, there's speculation that slim versions of the Xbox One and the PS4 may be on the way because AMD is uh, is looking to make smaller chips, and as you know, AMD is making the chips for everybody now: Nintendo, PS, uh, Sony, and Microsoft. So. That's their bread and butter right now because they're getting stomped when it comes to the PC game. So maybe sometime in 2015 we might be looking at slim models, which is kind of like uh, for, I can see Microsoft doing it, trying to you know generate some extra buzz and get a new model out there. But Sony, Sony is doing well enough where they might not have to do it. But if they if both do do that, then I'm kind of like, oh, that doesn't look too good for consoles that they that they're coming out with slim models so quickly. Remember when Nintendo used to like come out with the colors just to get more sales? Like, and you knew like you'd have the base model, and then like a year or two after that, you'd have the colors. They still do that. They still do that, but it's like it's spaced out properly. You know what I'm saying? Whereas with you know, how long did it take for them to come out with the colored, you know, Wii's? And now like this, the slim, the slim model is kind of like the is Sony and Microsoft's version of the. Uh, you know, Nintendo colors, and they're doing it really fast if they do do it. Usually, though, the slimmer model, that usually comes with refinements to the system such that it uses less parts, um, you know, it uses less plastic overall because, you know, less of a case to make. Um, and so it, usually that happens at the point in the console life cycle where uh, they generally, you know, that's usually when they start to make a profit on the console. But at this point, they're already making a profit. On, well, they were making a profit on the console. I don't know if that's true anymore for some of the price cuts we've seen right but uh yeah no this is this is i mean this is appropriate speculation but i mean we've seen a slimmer ps playstation we've seen a slimmer xbox i think in what every general well, maybe not the original xbox was there a slimmer no but just redesigned just redesigned. shinier that's what i don't like about the redesigns like well actually microsoft they went for a better looking console when they did their redesign but Sony, every redesign they had, it just looked shittier and shittier and shittier. To the point, like, the, the, the Slim PS3 now has a slide top on it. Oh, a that's slide terrible. slide top. You know, if it, comparing that to a car, it's like a car where you have to roll your windows down. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> yes, there is. At this point in history, yes, there is. There's some people that might be listening to this that don't even know what that means. <laughs> we have to someday they'll, go, someday they'll go to buy a car and realize hey I can buy a manual crank window and not have to pay as much one day that's going to be vintage <laughs> it'll be cool. I don't think so no the roll your windows down no I think that, that'll always be there <laughs> well it'll be there I'm saying like to have it might be like trendy like oh I don't have power windows girl get in this car I had to manually roll my window down that's how bad I wanted to talk to you no, I got power windows. You just got to reach across the seat and then uh, roll the windows down on the other side. Or, uh, <laughs> I got power windows. I use my manpower to, <laughs> to roll the window down. Please, Thanks, Will you do that? Please laugh audibly so people don't think I'm just laughing at myself, Nick. I'm looking at him on the video. He's like chuckling to himself. I'm like, oh, I sound like I'm laughing at my own jokes. No, well, you are, but... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he does that a lot, folks. He does it a lot. Um, let's see what else we got. Uh, Reddit launched a Kickstarter competitor called uh, Reddit Made. Yeah, it's called Reddit Made, which, you know, I'm not a big fan of Reddit, but I checked out the site, and the first thing I saw was this t-shirt that says PC Master Race. Gl- no, sorry, Glorious PC Master Race. I'm like, oh, I'm totally in. But Nick made a good point in the pre-show that it look- just looks like a-, a Kickstarter for t-shirts, because that's all we're really seeing, like t-shirts, stickers, and stuff like that. A pin. There was a pin I saw in there. Yeah, so they said you can, you they can, you can, you can, you do whatever you want. So you, if you wanted to uh, crowdsource or you know crowdfund a game, you can. But I'm not saying anything like that. I'm saying all t-shirts. And I think it's because they have a, uh, uh, I guess they have like a design thing on the site where you can make things easily. So we probably have a lot of people just putting out t-shirt designs. Hmm. That's probably what's happening. You just have people like putting out t-shirt designs, which is kind of cool. So we'll actually see if that PC Master Race t-shirt gets made. Because if it does, I will totally pay for it. I am. It mad. will. It, it it exceeded its launch numbers. Well, it exceeded its launch numbers, which means it'll get it'll get funded and paid for. But that doesn't mean they'll actually make it. Well, it should. I well, mean, yeah. you know, the rules, you know, Kickstarter and Kickstarter knockoffs being, you know, Kickstarter and all that. But uh, I don't know if if it, if it was funded I, uh, for a T-shirt, I'd expect that'll get made. We'll Just see. jump in. Don't wait. You're going to miss your opportunity. You're not going to have your glorious PC Master 8 shirt. And you're going to be very upset. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, next on the docket, Assassin's Creed Rogue reviews apparently were delayed. Um, Ubisoft. I guess they didn't pass out the game early enough. And, well, they did the same thing with Unity. The Unity review embargoes were, like, I think noon the day the game came out. Yeah. And a lot of people were saying, well, that's because... We're going to talk about it a little bit later. Um, but, like, the, the game is really buggy. And the, and the... You know, they're saying that Ubisoft knew that. And that's why they wanted to push the, the reviews back. So now people are like, well, Rogue... Like, I actually haven't heard a single person talk about Rogue. And I was more interested in Rogue... Than I was than I was in um, Unity because Rogue looks like it has ships, <laughs> you know. Actually, there was a Pity Arcade yes, uh, comic about yes. that. I was like, "Thank you, I'm not the only one." All all games should have pirate ships now. Yeah, that, that uh, Assassin's Creed uh, Black Flag was awesome, and part of it, a big part of it was because of the the ships. And Assassin's Creed Unity doesn't have that. I can only imagine like when I get Unity, um, I'm probably gonna blow through it. Because I'm not a big... Huh? If you can. Yeah, if I can. If it doesn't bug out on me, we'll see. But yeah, so uh, reviews are going to come in late for Rogue. We'll see what what they say. I actually wouldn't be surprised if it's the better game. I wouldn't be surprised, but we'll see. Um, So recently there was an episode on South Park about free-to-play games. Did you see that? I did not. Somebody told me that this season South Park has like an ongoing theme. Not... Really? It had there were like two episodes that kind of oh just two okay yeah well, like, like it, it, there was one that kind of ended with a throwaway joke and then they completely played off it in the next episode and it was really good um, but uh, no the 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 episode it was uh, was it uh, Stan gets addicted to a free to play game yeah and apparently the free to play game is based off of the Family Guy uh, free to play game yeah. Uh, so it's in the in the uh, in the show it's a Terrence and Philip game, um, 
But uh, yeah, it's the Family Guy, the Quest for Stuff. Uh, and they, there's a screenshot in the article kind of comparing the two, and they do look fairly similar, at least as far as, you know, they're both like city builders with stuff to click on, and uh, the interface is similar as far as icons in the lower left and the shopping icon in the lower right, and then you've got the uh, the bars for your, your gold and money in the upper corner, and uh, the game, it's, or the show itself, I mean, it, it was pretty straightforward uh, about how freemium games work. Um, they didn't use the term whales, but they referenced how you you know you get you know a handful of people super addicted and they pay for everything and you know you make the game just fun enough that they'll keep playing it, but not fun enough that they're not going to want to spend money on it. And uh, what's interesting is the the people that they talk to in the article that actually developed the Family Guy game they kind of talk about how all that's common knowledge, and that it wasn't really satire from South Park because it was just accurate. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. You know, I mean, on the one hand, it's a little weird to be like South Park's a little late to the party because they're usually not on that kind of stuff. But on the other hand, like, I mean, they were right. So I don't right. know. It was, it, was, it was a good enough episode. The reason the reason the the the, the, the free to play game was made it was it was all due to the Canadian Devil. So <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check out eventually. I just haven't had a chance. Yeah, it was uh, it was enjoyable enough. Okay. Uh, so, uh, next update, or next news bite. So, if you got the uh, Steam, on, they, I think they just released uh, GTA San Andreas. Uh, no, sorry, they just released GTA San Andreas on... Uh, on iOS. Well, iOS, but also on Xbox 360 and PSN, I think. And uh, this latest Steam update, I guess, to kind of match up, I pulled 17 songs. From San Andreas, from the from the soundtrack, which is a lot. Like one of the best parts of GTA is the music. Well, the old GTAs, anyway. Yeah. I don't know how much the the new ones. Oh no, the new ones have good music too. But um, like Vice City, like I one of the reasons I didn't get Vice City, um, the remake of Vice City, was because they pulled a whole bunch of the music to do the licensing, and I'm just kind of like, mm. really, that sucks. Like. When they making those licensing deals, they should just make it for the life of the product. I don't think they can, though. Of course, yeah, of if, course you own, if you industry. own the music, are you necessarily going to give up those rights? Because well, if, no, if you're right. hoping, if the game's big enough, that they're going to be like, oh, you know what, in, you know, five years or ten years, however, however long that that licensing deal's for, maybe they're, you know, they're hoping, uh, you know, Rockstar will come back and be like, okay, you know, we're putting this out on some new platform, we need to re-up the deal. And, uh, yeah, maybe they'll get money out of that. Or they lose the songs from the game, you know? Yeah, it just sucks the way that music licensing works. It's really stupid, because riding around in Vice City with that 80s music, man, like, it was great. But, yeah, so don't be surprised if you see that if you play San Andreas. All right, let's see what else we got here. Um, So the last news bite is that Guinness Book of World Records named... Call of Duty, the best game series ever. So obviously they're wrong. I mean, like a lot of their credibility just went out of the window. Uh, but like, I, I guess they had to do it by 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 uh, sales. They had to. No, they did it by a poll. They who did they poll? Uh, what does it say? The, uh, the organization decided upon the FPS fan favorite after pulling more than 5,000 people from across 140 countries. So 5,000 random people said 
Call of Duty is the best game ever. Were they even talking like gamers though? Like, or were they were they like that person at the mall that wants you to watch like the movie trailers and get your reaction? Like, Some of those movie trailers are good. Not the times I've gone. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I got a one. I had this uh this one the. The last time I did it was a long time ago. That movie, Into the Blue, with Paul Walker and Jessica Alba was there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, after they played the trailer, she asked me, like, well, what would you rate this? And I'm like, I rated it two. Out of, it was like two out of five. And she's like, well, why two out of five? I was like, well, I really like Jessica Alba, but I hate Paul Walker that much more. <laughs> <laughs> as an actor. At the time I did it, like, I really did not like Paul Walker as an actor. At the time, I'm just like, yeah, there's no way I'm seeing this movie. Because one, movies about water usually bore me. <laughs> Two, it has Paul Walker in it. Jessica Alba and that bathing suit is the only thing, is the only redeeming quality this movie has for me right now. That's why it's a bad idea to pull me into those rooms, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, um, I've, that that's a fucked up poll. That's all I can really say. Like that poll, there's no way they were really interviewing gamers for that. You know? Well. Unless all 5,000 of them were children that were born in the last decade. The thing is, though, that anybody that plays excessive Call of Duty, or even just moderate Call of Duty, you know, they would probably self-identify as a gamer, even if they're not, you know, exposed to sort of the full spectrum. Right. So even if they're like, oh, hey, are you a gamer? And they'll be like, I play Call of Duty, yes. And then they'll be like, oh, well, what's your favorite game? And then Call like, of Duty. Exactly. <laughs> so... But yeah. yeah, no, this is one of those things that I, I can no longer trust any world record because clearly some of the accounting in Guinness is flawed. And yeah, I don't, I don't know what the tallest building is anymore. I don't know who the tall, you know, the shortest man alive was anymore. None of it. It's all in question now. All the important information. Your whole life is upside down now. Good job, Guinness. You can probably sue them. <laughs> so. All right, well, let's move into our actual topics. A uh, couple, well, you know, quite a few things, and thankfully none of them are gamers gate related. Gamer gate related. Um, we're gonna talk about some like bugs for not just Assassin's Creed, but um, the uh, Halo Master Chief Edition. Uh, Apex organizer. He was he was a target of death threats. Uh, we're gonna talk about the death of Metacritic. Maybe. And uh, we're going to talk about a, a panel that happened. Talk about more women in games or getting more women in games. But first, let's talk about that Xbox One price drop. I mean, is this a huge desperation move? If you don't know this, I don't know where you've been the last two weeks, but uh, starting in November, Microsoft uh, dropped the price of the Xbox One to $350. 350 until January. And some analysts think that if it goes well enough for them, they're going to keep the price at 350 for quite some time. So, yeah, like, you know, the uh, so they matched Sony's price, I think in, in what was it, June? Mm-hmm. They matched Sony's price and now they're like, "Well, now we're going to go below Sony's price." Which is I think it's a huge sway like, you know, you have parents out there getting gifts for kids and stuff like that and their their, their sons and daughters and when they see a three fifty versus a four hundred price tag, unless that kid specifically is like, I want a PS four. I want a PS four. You know, if they're just looking to get a, a console for their kid, they're gonna have the easy choice is the 
the Xbox One at this point. Even then, that may not be enough that, you know, depending on finances and whatnot, just because your kid wants a PS4 doesn't mean they're not getting the cheaper Xbox. But uh, no, this uh, this is how you play catch up. This is how after you botched the announcement and then, uh, you know, got caught with the uh, with the Kinect and your sales were, were flat and, and you've been in second place for the whole time. Um, you need to actually compete and to, you know, to be the same price as the other console when they've kind of taken the lead, not good enough. You need to go under that. You need to, you know, this is capitalism at its finest. Um, well, yeah. Well, the thing about Microsoft, the way Microsoft has set themselves up, Microsoft, in order for Microsoft to get money off of those ads and deals that they made, they need people. You know, I mean, obviously Sony needs people too to play their console. Uh, but Sony, like the the PS4, isn't nearly as ad heavy, you know, or uh, you know, I you know, I reliant. If you have you know, x amount of people, but they're buying games, you're okay. But with Microsoft, they need people so that they have more power when they go into, you know, make these deals and get the exclusive exclusivity deals and you know, get more money from advertisers and stuff like that. Because that, you know, that's their their whole platform is based on the complete entertainment experience, and if anything, uh, the complete entertainment experience is adver- includes advertising, you know. Whereas with you know the PS4, it's mostly just about gaming. Well, you figure the advertising—that's the recurring revenue—is that this the earlier you sell a console in its life cycle, the more money you can make back every time that person uses it for the next you know six years or so. Um, and, and, and that's kind of the thing. They need that install base. And so this is, you know, this is how they're trying to get that. So if they, if they kind of lose a little bit up front here, cause I mean, originally it seemed like they weren't really taking much of a, uh, you know, as far as the cost goes, it seemed, I think they were all actually making a bit of a profit or at least I don't think they were taking that much of a loss at the original prices. I'd have to think at this point they're taking a loss now. Well, but, both uh, Sony and Microsoft were making a profit on each machine. It wasn't, you know, a whole lot, but it was, it was enough. Yeah. Um, when Microsoft dropped the price to 400, uh, I believe at that point that's when they they started to lose a little money or you know maybe just break even on the console. Yeah. But uh, now at 350, they're definitely losing money. Yeah. On the console. And that's that's what they should have done. That's what they should have done all along. Except they should have been doing this when the console was, you know, 500 dollars. It should have had like 800 dollars worth of parts in it. Um. But oh, right, did. you're exactly right. Well, that's how that's you know how we started the last console generation, and it paid off for them, I think, mm-hmm. in the end. But the the downside was that the console generation lasted, you know, eight years. How is that a downside, though? I mean, I guess it's a no, downside. It's a, it's, for... it's, it's a downside for gamers. It's a good thing for them. How is that a downside for gamers? You buy a, you buy a device, you get a good eight years of use out of it. Eight years of use, but still, it's stagnant. You're dealing with eight year old technology. Yes Unless and you're no. On PC. Look at look at. Look at The Last of Us, and then look at launch games. I mean, look how far that system came. It's not, you know, I mean, there there was improvement there. Oh yeah, there was a, there was improvement, but still, like, imagine having the playing The Last of Us, but with much better AI. You know, with better AI, better graphics, better frame rate. The new consoles that are out right now, they're struggling at 1080 to keep to 60 frames per second at 1080p. Yeah. That yeah. should not be the case. Yeah, we're so far past that. I've I've had like, I've seen um a few PC games come out within the, recently that support 
4K resolution. Native 4K resolution. The reason the last console generation did so well is because it was on par with PC when they came out. And yeah. now they are, they, are, they are taking a knee without putting up a fight. I mean, there's a clear difference looking at a PC game and looking at a next-gen game. And that kind of makes, you know, when you look at it, your $400 investment may not look so great as compared to, like, the last generation where you bought a $400 console or if you were early PS3 adopter, a $500 console, and, you know, you can compare that directly to PC. You can't do that now. You know, like, how many, there's so many games on on the PS4 and Xbox One that are 30 frames per second and then are 60 frames per second on PC. You know? So that's why I'm saying that's why it's bad for gamers to have that stagnant technology because they're just trying to figure out ways to make games look better and stuff more into those games, like, the, you know, everything they can. And that leads to, you know, lower frame rates, frame drops, like... The uh, the last few Need for Speed games were like that, where you'd be racing and the frame rate would start to fluctuate or drop, you know. So yeah, I guess it's bad for gamers to have it for that long. Does it lead to terrible bugs? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's a quality control issue that can happen anywhere, and I think that's Nick trying to segue into our next segment where we're gonna talk about the bugs on the Halo Master Chief Collection. And, uh, you know, Assassin's Creed. So, like I said, we don't know about Assassin's Creed Rogue, but we're we're definitely going to talk about Assassin's Creed Unity because they're actually on... Is that Polygon that has... Yeah, the, the, just the, the bunch of... Uh, just the, the, just the se- sequence of videos of just different bugs that are just hilarious. Right. And, and actually kind of frightening. The... Uh, I mean, there's the one picture that's been making the rounds, or actually a few, few pictures of it of... Uh, I guess it's uh, people with no face. They're just eyes and a jaw, and it is super creepy. Yeah, I can't wait to get mine so I can, uh, you know, indulge in this before they fix it, whenever that might be. You never know with Ubisoft. Uh, But I want to talk about Halo first, since that's going to be the faster one. (laughs) Um, So, Halo, Halo Master Chief Edition has four games in it. It has Halo through Halo 4. Uh, and apparently there's been some uh, quite a bit of bugs across all the games. Um, I saw one bug where an NPC was just standing in the way of enemy fire, just getting pelted and just not doing anything about it. Uh, apparently on launch day, the servers uh, crashed on launch day. Uh, so that's not good. And, you know, slow matchmaking and a whole bunch of other things. But, you know, the... Uh, Bunting a bunch of oh wow, um, three four three. Their response has been um, I think they 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 gave the the right response. So here's the quote: uh, Since the launch of Halo: The Master Chief Collection, we've received several well-deserved complaints regarding too slow. Uh, you know, he used. I was gonna say, am I reading that wrong? No, he used that wrong. Regarding, uh, sorry, uh, related. Oh no, I'm sorry. I did read that wrong. Woo! Look at me. Get ready to blame him for my failure. Sorry, folks. I you deserve better. <laughs> okay, I, they'll get the joke after I finish reading this. So I'll start from the beginning. Since the launch of Halo: The Master Chief Collection, we've received several well-deserved complaints related to slow matchmaking and other issues. 
from everyone at 343 Studio Industries, we are truly sorry and feel your frustration. You deserve better, and we are working day and night to find solutions as quickly as possible with your, our first priority focus on matchmaking improvements. You know, obviously a lot of people play Halo, so any, if anything's wrong with matchmaking, anything, that, that's going to be a, a huge deal. But that's, you know, they, they came out and said, hey, we're really sorry, you deserve better. Obviously, um, you know, when you buy a game, you don't expect it to be buggy. Uh, but compared to the way a lot of developers and publishers react when their games have bugs, this is top form. You know, this is this is good that um, 343 is on top of this. And, you know, based on... Because the only 343 Industries game I've actually played was Halo 4, and I really like that. So I believe that they can make... that they can fix this and, and smooth this stuff out. So, we'll see. Uh, but let's move on to Assassin's Creed, because that's the one that way more people are talking about because I think the bugs are just way are just so so much worse. Like being able, you know, people with no faces, uh, which does look super creepy. Um not you know, people hanging on invisible objects, getting stuck on things they shouldn't get stuck on. Like it's it's crazy. And I mean yeah. It all comes back, like, it, it, you, people always get blamed for the, not people, sorry, but, you know, the blame always comes down to Ubisoft pushing this series out year for year for year, which might, you know, might have something to do with it, but, you know, they do have different teams working on these games. Um, even though they always come out of, they always come out of Montreal, the Assassin's Creed games, but there are multiple teams working on Assassin's Creed. Uh... But yeah, this 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 is just really really bad. Like, how did this get through QA? How? Because it's not just a few users; it's like a lot of people. Well, it makes sense as far as oh, it's one of those things that if if they're telling the truth, and and, and I'll I'll admit I don't believe them, but if they're telling the <laughs> truth that they delayed the uh, the embargo because they, but even then that doesn't make sense because they gave people copies of the game ahead of time. The reviews were all written ahead of time, but the embargo was new. So as far as, you know, delaying the embargo because the, the review wouldn't be accurate because, you know, there wasn't a proper multiplayer structure in place um, for the game earlier, that doesn't make any sense. Um, so I'm, I'm, it seems highly suspect that they knew the game was buggy and they, uh, yeah, they, they wanted you to buy it anyway, which I guess I'm glad because we get all these creepy videos about all the bugs now because everybody went out and bought it. So... Thank you, everybody, for buying a crappy game. Well, that's what Nick says, but <laughs> he's not going to buy Assassin's Creed. I still haven't even played Assassin's Creed 3 for more than yeah, like That's what I was going to say. Like, did you even finish that game or get anywhere near finishing? No, I, I, I haven't even gotten through like the, 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 the starting thing. I'm still, I'm still uh, the father in, in Boston. Wow. Yeah, Assassin's Creed 3 is definitely the worst. Assassin's Creed they've had. Like, period. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this, like, uh, things like this, re you know, reduce confidence in the game. Like, when when a game is really buggy like this, like, for example, the next Battlefield that comes out, I think that the bugs from Battlefield 4, which I don't even know if they're still working on those bugs, if, they're, if they just let them go or what. I thought they said they were just going to let them go at some point. I don't, I don't I'm not 100% sure, but. 
I'm pretty positive the 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 next Battlefield will be affected by these by the bugs that were in Battlefield Four. Are you counting Hardline as the next Battlefield? No, but I probably should. Hardline has its own issues on why it's not going to sell well. Uh, I shouldn't say sell well, but you know, have a good reception. Then again, they are revamping a lot of stuff from Hardline, yeah. so if they approach it from the correct angle, they can probably uh, save it. it. But then it would. I heard it. From what I heard, it sounds like they are because they're making it more about being like a cop and like actually not just like Battlefield in an urban setting. I mean, all that stuff will still be there, but it'll be downplayed. Yeah, well, that's what we have to see. Like, yeah, like the way that it was set up before, where the cops and the crooks were doing the same thing, yeah. not not so great. Uh, but yeah, but Assassin's Creed Unity, I don't know, plus the fact that they came they came out with two Assassin's Creeds, you know, that it, it just seems like maybe maybe their resources are a bit strained, you know, because that's if if they if they wouldn't have made Rogue. You know, or well, technically speaking, even if they would have made Unity cross, not cross platform, but like you know, for PS3 and 360, I guess still that's another team that's actually working on that. So instead of having that team, you know, uh, do the port, they just had that team make a make a game specifically for those consoles. Uh, there's so many ifs, but yeah, this is if they're porting it, do they find and fix most of these bugs? Well, if if they can find them, yeah. I mean, when you're porting to a different system, you probably have a whole different set of bugs that you got to worry about. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't. I'm. I kind of think that like the no face bug, like bring that over as it is. Like they should leave when they fix this. They should have it like play the game as as originally released, and then like play the game without any bugs. Just because like this is a bizarre Why? experience. <laughs> like I think they're you know marketed as like just play, you know like. I mean, what is it? Five Nights at Freddy's. Everybody talks about how that's like a creepy game. Like, yeah. how would a game with a faceless assassin not be a super creepy game? Like, market the shit out of that. Like, let the next Assassin's Creed game have no face. This is why you're not in marketing, Nick. Because <laughs> that sounds like an awful idea. <laughs> and no, you gotta own it. You gotta own the failure. Like, no, they don't. They can actually, you know, work on getting the game out right the first time. I mean, you're paying a premium price for this stuff. Paying sixty bucks, it's not unfair to ask for a relatively bug-free game. Yeah, but you'll you'll get that even if it's like a month after launch. And have a visual, bu- no, no, have it on launch day. Fuck you, Nick. Like, no, have it on launch day. And like, even like you know, visual bugs are one thing. You know, what I'm saying I can, visual bugs, you can kind of deal with. They're kind of annoying, maybe. But like game breaking bugs are the worst. You know, you jump and get stuck on something and you can't move and Yeah, no, no. The, that shit needs to be they need to be on point with that. I mean you premium premium price for it. Sixty bucks is a premium price for a game. In the world we live in now, with the Steam sale and the fifteen dollar game and the, the, the arcade game, no, sixty dollars is a premium price. And they need to, they need, to, it needs to be on point, you know. Actually, even the latest Borderlands, that had more bugs than I, I, I was very surprised. Like, actually, I, ne- I didn't, I did I never experienced any bugs in Borderlands 2. And Borderlands, the pre-sequel, dude, the game had so many bugs. I mean, like, missions, 
that I did not collect starting for me. Like, it was weird. Like, it's, it's and, you know, doors not opening, and, yeah. Well, mission markers being in the wrong place. So even that, you know, these people think I got this shit together, man. Is it possible? And I know it's kind of late in the console life cycle. I mean, these consoles aren't brand spanking new anymore, but is it possible that developers still haven't quite figured out how to develop for these things yet? That they're they're just making mistakes? And, and... Oh, no, that's very possible. Very possible. I mean, they're, it's not late in the console cycle. I mean, they've had... Look how long it took them to really adjust to the PS3 and the Xbox 360. I mean, the Xbox 360, I think, uh, from what I was told, was easier to develop for, but the PS3, because of the cell processor, was definitely a bit harder. Uh, and it took it took developers a long time to get used to that, but I don't know. I'm, this is why it's so appealing to not be a day one adopter. You know, because sometimes, you know, a game will have a game-breaking bug, and then it never gets fixed. That is a very real possibility, you know, this day and age. So. And that, and that I think, kind of goes hand-in-hand, though, even with the, with the review news, as far as, like, it's very easy to kind of just be cautionary and be like, you know what, just don't buy your games at launch day. Kind of wait to see how everything pans out. But especially if you're excited about that game and the reviews can't come out to be like, hey, this is super buggy. Um, you know, that's... You know, there's a reason that's a warning sign, so. Yeah. Yeah, so, get your shit together, Ubisoft. I'm curious about Rogue, because that's the one I was interested in, but I, I gotta play for Unity. Well, it, may, it may take a few days for some of the sites to get their reviews up if they just started playing it the other day. Yeah, but we'll see. Uh, the only thing is, that means I gotta hook my PS3 back up. Uh, or, I don't know, I might just get it for, my, my 360 is still hooked up. If I can get the tray open, I'll play it on there. Uh, so let's move on to our next topic, uh, which is regarding, uh, the organizer of Apex. And for those who don't know, Apex is a, uh, fighting game tournament that happens, which, uh, to my knowledge, deals mostly with Smash, Super Smash Brothers. I don't know if it's an all-Smash tournament, but I do know, um, I was supposed to go last year, I didn't get a chance, but I do know that, uh, Apex is, it deals mostly with Smash, and I'm not 100% sure if, if it's just Smash and Smash variants, or some other fighting games. But anyway, uh, so the organizer of, uh, I was going to say the organizer of Smash, but the organizer of Apex, Jonathan Alex Trife Lugo, uh, he was targeted, he was the, the target of death threats and uh, rape threats, even, against his family. And it all came from uh, the fact that I believe they're going to uh, exclude Project M from this year's tournament. And some people just went nuts. And, you know, we, I think we all know how the rest of that story goes. They, you know, they find out where he lives. They start, you know, sending death threats and saying they're going to rape his wife and do all this stuff to the kid and blah, blah, blah. And, I mean, <laughs> I don't get, I mean, I, I guess I can kind of understand. No, no, I don't. I don't understand it. Because... If you you know, do you really think you're gonna scare this guy into putting Project M back into the tournament? Do you think it's gonna happen that you're gonna scare this person into putting Project M back in the tournament? Like, oh my God, you're gonna rape my wife if I don't put Project M back in uh, back into the tournament? No problem. I'll do what you guys say because you're really gonna rape my wife. Like, come on, like that's that's ridiculous. Like the only thing you're doing is hurting yourself. You're hurting the community. 
I mean, now he wants to, you know, he kind of he wants to back out of Apex, even though that hasn't officially been announced that he was going to back out of Apex. I mean, Apex is still going to uh, go on, uh, but and what with, with him or without him, but you know, it's it's, it's ridiculous. You're you're only hurting yourself and you're hurting the community because now le- people might be less uh, likely to oh, want to get involved in the community. Sponsors would be hesitant to sponsor community events. Isn't that what you want? You want to, you don't you want your community, especially in the FGC, uh, seeing you know stuff like like League of Legends just surpass uh, you know fighting games in popularity and especially in money making in general. I know a lot of members of the FGC want to see fighting games get taken seriously, and they think I think they should. I mean, if you once you when you go to tournaments, or if you have any friends in the FGC, let's say you're not in the FGC yourself, and you have friends in the FGC, and you see how hard they practice, you see well, you know what they do to prepare for games, and you know how they analyze players and characters and teams, and, you know, I would want that. To, I would want to be taken seriously too. But stuff like this, you're not gonna be taken seriously. I, I like what you're saying about this FGC. Where can I listen to, to learn more about the fighting game community? <sighs> Jesus, Nick. <laughs> uh, I've already talked about the podcast. <laughs> I mean, you never give smart. him too much love. Yeah. Double tap. <laughs> monthly podcast. <laughs> Available now on Mash Those Buttons. And SoundCloud. Soon to be iTunes. <laughs> yeah, but the other, I mean, yeah, this things like this do nothing to help the FGC. And I can almost guarantee that you know the FGC's younger members doing this, or maybe less mature members as well, that you know will do something like this. I mean, what? A, I mean, even when I was younger, and I mean, I got into online scuffles all the time, but I never like you know somebody say something or I find out some tournament rules change or the rules at this land are something I don't like. I'm never like. Oh, I'll rape your mother. Like, you know, that never, that never even crossed my head. I'm like, oh, this sucks. Fuck. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, or you go talk about it in a forum, but you never, you are a retard and I'm going to kill you and your whole family because you made rule changes I don't like or you didn't add the game I don't like. I can't believe you put Counter Strike Source in instead of 1.6. You faggot. But you know, like, I can't, like, that never occurred to me to do anything like that or most of the people that i uh dealt with like how like, how does that work for you guys i'm talking to you guys who are making the threats like how does that work the thing is though i think you're assuming like you said earlier like a layer of maturity i mean we even talked a few weeks ago about the guy who you know got his game taken off steam because he you know got pissed at valve and made death threats against them so or, or you know against gabe specifically so like there's well, his, a, his threats are different like well, he was, he, he, well, yes, yes, and no. And so, I mean, his his threats are different. In so far as like that was part of his, you know, that's how he makes money. His life, you know, his livelihood is on the line there. With you know, however, Valve may or may not be mistreating him, but and and you know that. It, but the point is, that's a professional setting. Like, it's one thing to be like, okay, you know, what? a gamer is getting upset because a tournament isn't, you know, including a game that they want. Like, just chill out. Like, but you know, that, that's a professional setting. Like you should know better. Like in this case, you're right. It might be, you know, it might be, you know, just some like 15 year old kid who just doesn't know any better that might be saying these kinds of things. And not that that gives it a pass, but that's a little more understandable. The other case. Yeah. That there's no excuse for what that guy did. 
Um, and fundamentally, there's there's still no excuse here. Like people just need. I think the the whole issue is just that there's no there's no point at which you you stop and you know you're forced to kind of think before you post. You can just jump on Twitter. Or you can you know you just basically that's what it is. You just jump on Twitter, type something out real quickly, and hit send, and that's it. And there's no there's no moment there where it's like, hey, did you really want to say that? And it's I, I think that's that's part of what happens is people get so emotional. And I mean, it's great that you're so passionate about the game, you know, about mods of the games that, you know, you're, you're heartbroken when they're not included in a tournament. Like, you know, that, that kind of passion is respectable, but when it becomes, when it, you know, becomes like, you know, malformed into the, you know, into these death threats and this is how it expresses itself. And, you know, like how, like, I don't know. I mean, maybe we're just not doing a good job training people. Like your first response should not be to threaten to rape somebody's family. Like, you know, you know, just be like, I'm very upset. Just tweet that. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, the reason I said it, like his was different because the way he said, I'm going to kill Gabe Newell wasn't like, you know, I'm going to kill you, Gabe Newell. It's kind of like, you know, a parent when you're supposed to wash the dishes and you don't wash dishes and your mom's like, I'm going to kill Jared when he comes back in this house. Like, you know, that's, it's like that. And that, that, there's a difference in how that's said. I mean, obviously he should not have said it like that because, you know, it, it is a professional thing for him. But that's what I'm saying. Like, these guys, they're making, like, I wouldn't say making credible threats, but they're making threats, uh, you yeah, know, it, and I, I to think scare. That's the, and, and, but the problem is that there's no way to know, like, what's an exclamation and what's actually a threat. It all comes across the same. There is no context whatsoever. And so you just can't go there. You just cannot, you know, you can say like, oh, I'm going to kill, you know, you do whatever, I'm going to kill you and like roll your eyes or whatever. And you can say it with that kind of like droll tone that indicates like, oh, you don't really mean that. But like, or even then, like, you know, there's plenty of times like you get angry at somebody and you might yell like, oh, oh you know, I'll kill you or something. But like, you're not, well, usually if you're yelling it like that, you're probably going to try to at least beat their ass. But uh, no, but you know, it's, it's, there's no, there's just no room for that. And it's, 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 I mean, it's a shame because you've got this guy who put up, you know, who built up this community here. And I mean, it, it, I guess the nice part of it is that a lot of members of the community have kind of stepped up to kind of, if not necessarily support Lugo, at least support, you know, the, the, the smash community with the why smash hashtag, um, you know, talking about, you know, how they love the game and love, you know, love playing it and love all the, the people that play it with them. Um, but it's just stop. And it's, it's, it's like, this is our weekly, our weekly reminder. Like, just don't be stupid on Twitter. Like, you know, that's the old, don't be a dick, you know, just, 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 you know, it's okay to get upset, but just, just don't, don't tweet it. Don't, don't tweet from a place of rage. Calm down, you know, take a walk, you know, have some ice cream, come back later. And then, then you can tweet rationally. Just don't, 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 don't tweet from a place of rage. Yeah, some people just shouldn't be on Twitter in general. It feels like it's ain't what it seems like. I should say that may also be true. Yeah, they they just can't express uh, <laughs> express they're too emotional to be on Twitter. I'll put it all like that. Too emotional to be on Twitter. Uh, all right, let's move on to our next topic. Let's talk a little bit about Apex and uh, you know not Apex, sorry, uh, Metacritic, and uh, maybe it's death. Uh, so, well, according to Double Fine, or some someone from Double Fine, I should say. Um, so basically, uh, Double Fine, 
they had a list of uh, what works and what doesn't work when it comes to, uh, I guess, getting your game to sell. And they did this at the uh, the Montreal International Game Summit. And on a list of things that, that works, uh, they said, we're like, let's play videos, Steam-free weekends, uh, friendly, informal cross-promotion with other indie developers. And, um, and actually, that's, that's kind of true because who owns Deus Ex and never played it? This guy right here. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Cross-promotion with Team Fortress 2. So, you give me TF2 items, I'll probably buy your game. Okay? Um, but still, so now on the, on the list of what doesn't work are free app of the day promotions, trade shows, and I would say, like, you know, like, E3. That's a trade show. Um, I guess PAX is also a trade show. Yes. And then Metacritic. Now, before we get into the Metacritic one, I thought that the, the trade show one was interesting. Uh, because... You know, if a lot if a lot of developers take that advice, the uh, the 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 booths that we see at a PAX may be very different. You know? I think no, I, I think it's he's not saying the trade shows and, and and well, I think he's saying more a little bit about Metacritic than he is the the trade shows. But I think the the argument there is that the trade shows aren't necessarily going to help your bottom line. I think the trade shows are there good. You know, get out with the community. You can get other developers to play your games and check out and see what's going on. And you can, you know, you know, reconnect with everyone and and and, and see what's going on. I, I I don't I have you know I have to think anybody who's gone to you know who's gone to a show like PAX as a presenter, um, you know, hosting a booth. I'd have I'd be hard pressed to think anybody came away disappointed, feeling like it was a waste. I mean, I'm sure there's a handful of people, but um, but I guess his argument is that that doesn't necessarily lead to sales. Um, and even then, as far as, you know, the gaming press also not leading to sales, I think it's the same, it's the same kind of thing there where you're kind of insular within the community. Um, and that doesn't necessarily translate to the fans really, as far as getting to the fans, the people who would be willing to play your games and spend money on your games. Uh, you know, he's saying focus more on the let's play videos and the streams, the steam free weekends, um, that kind of stuff where, I mean, the let's play videos, if you're watching that, you're either trying to like learn how to do something or you're, I mean that, that I'll admit, I, mean, I, th- I think I might be too old for let's play videos. I don't understand them. I mean, I understand the mechanics. You watch somebody play the game. I get that. But I'm at the point where it's like, I'd just rather play the game myself. Like I have no desire to watch other people play games. I don't even, I know like there's a huge streaming community for like Hearthstone and stuff. And I can't, I can't get into that. I don't, it's just, you know, I'd rather just play it myself. If I don't feel like playing Hearthstone, I'm not going to watch it. And, I'm, and maybe it has to do people are watching it from like work or something where they can't play the game. But, um, but I guess the, the point is that people, you know, watch the let's plays and that that's more likely to lead to a sale. People watch the, uh, you know, you know, like the, the free weekend on steam. That makes sense. You play the game for a weekend. You love it. You're going to buy the game. Um, but you know, stuff like the trade shows, they have value. They have a place. Um, but it's not, if you're looking just to get, the most number of sales out of your, your investment dollar, then, you know, he's, he's basically saying like, don't worry about Metacritic. Don't worry about the trade shows. Just, you know, focus on, you know, focus on the other, you know, the, 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 uh, the let's plays and the steam and, and, you know, some cross promotional stuff and that'll get you further. I don't know. I think like when you're talking about the sales of your game, you, uh, you do have to take trade shows into consideration because that's, that's a part of your marketing. The amount they, they, it costs a good amount of money to run those booths, and if you do, if I mean, 
if you don't spend the money at the booth, you can spend that in other avenues of marketing, which may help you uh, make more sales. So I think it's it's totally like that. That can should totally be included uh, in, in terms of like your bottom line, because people don't just do the trade shows because they like doing trade shows. Yeah, but I think the thing is, though, you look at like who's who's at a trade show. I mean, there's a handful of fans. I mean, you look at you look at PAX, and I mean, there's a a number of fans there. But there's you know, generally most people follow trade shows from afar. They get their information about the trade shows from the press, and re- you know, really, who's actually involved in the trade show? It's usually the developers kind of congregate with each other. They want to talk to each other, and then they they meet up with the press. I mean, this is. You know, you know this. This is where sort of any you know collusion within the gaming media might happen, as far as all of the uh, the press and the, the game developers kind of being in the same place at the same time to uh, coordinate their stories. But uh, no, it's it it makes it makes sense though to the degree that especially because he also cites the gaming press is not having that big an effect. That people might read about a game, but it doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to go buy it. I think I think really what it, it shows is that like seeing is believing. Um, that you know, from a trade show, you're not going to actually show that many people your game. You might get, you might get maybe a video out. You might get an article, you know, on on some some bigger sites. But really, if people can actually watch the game being played, see the fun for themselves, or experience it themselves with this, you know, like the free weekend or something, um, then it, that's really where the the biggest return is. If people actually get to experience the game, that's that's how that's what sells games. It's not just hearing about it. It's not just reading about it. Yeah, that's very true, especially the part about the games media. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with trust in game reviews, period. Like, people just don't trust reviews the way they used to because they're very subjective. Yes. You know, you'll, you'll have a game reviewer. Uh, well, first of all, you can't just read one game review because you have one game review like, oh, this game sucks because of this. And then somebody like, oh, this game is awesome for the same reason. Like, sometimes a game reviewer will review a game. Actually, we had somebody on our site who reviewed uh, a game very poorly, and as I'm reading the review... Is it Hotline Miami? Yes, it is. <laughs> as I'm reading the review, I'm just kind of like, dude, like you totally missed the concept of the game. Like, I could tell as he's as I'm reading the review that he was not enjoying the game and therefore kind of rushed it and had his mentality about it. And there are a lot of game reviewers that do that, so I can see like you know game reviews not having the same effect that it used to. Um, let's plays. I'm kind of with you, Nick. I'd rather just play the game. The, uh, let's play has to be really funny in order for me to play it. Yes. You know that's the thing. It has to be really funny. And uh, I remember while I, I watched, even though I had already played it, I watched the let's play of Dead Space Two from this one and a let's play person, and it was really really funny. So I actually ended up watching the whole thing, which is uh, well, that's kind of like an eight hour game. So like it's a <laughs> Well, not eight hour game, maybe a five hour game if you kind of blow through it. But anyway, um, you know that might be easier though than I like if you're like just want to kind of watch the story again, like. I'll give you that. Like that might be easier rather than actually getting the game out of the play through and we're, we're you know possibly getting stuck anywhere. You can just kind of watch the game get played, you know, watch the cutscenes or whatever, and be like, oh yeah, I remember loving this game. That was awesome. And then you move on. And, and plus, YouTube probably has it's easier to save your spot on YouTube than it is to save your spot in the game sometimes. So I'll give you that. Eh, sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like in terms of, of Metacritic, like I, for you, that was kind of like an industry thing, like. No, I don't know a single person who would buy a game based off a Metacritic score. 
No. It's like it's like an inside industry thing, and the the it's it's a symptom of the industry not uh, moving at the speed of its customers. Where you know, they're like, oh, well, people use people. Actually, no, it is. It's the sign of an industry that is not in tune with its community, because you know, when it comes to video games, we're not people buying a bunch of toasters. You know what I'm saying? We're not buying a bunch of blenders or something that there's no community behind. We like basically when it comes to video games, for the most part, uh, you're talking about people, you know, in communities and people talk, and a lot of games get sold based off of word of mouth. And you know, you have these marketing people who don't know anything about video games or how they work, or the people who buy them. You know, to 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 a lot of these marketers were just demographics, which, you know, that's kind of what they're taught. And they make marketing strategies based off of that. And, you know, one, you know, at one point people were like, oh, well, people looking at Metacritic scores, that's important. It becomes part of the mantra or part of the, uh, you know, how they do their, do their marketing analytics. And it just stays there for so long until somebody realizes that it's completely obsolete. And that's part of the problem. Like, sure, like, Medic, like you know, bonuses based on Metacritic scores. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And Metacritic actually kind of ruined games because now, you know, if a game doesn't have a seventy-five or an eighty, people are like, "Oh, it sucks." When the in reality, it should it needs it should need to be below fifty percent in order to be a bad game. Well, review scores in general did that. If a game doesn't have at least you know three stars. Then you know the game is considered the game sucks. When real reality should be that the two point five mark should be an average game. Yeah, you know. Right. So yeah, review scores and Metacritic scores it kind of did it all to itself. But you know, it's a symptom of like a mar- marketing grabbing those things, and uh, uh, it's just running away with it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'll be I'd be happier if developers weren't paying so much attention to Metacritic scores, even though <laughs> it'll probably uh, reduce the amount of review copies we give out, because that's, that's a symptom too. Like, you know, if the game's press isn't as important, especially for reviews, you know, maybe for you know getting information out there, but, you know, that means that game companies or developers and publishers would be less likely to push out review copies. You know, I almost wonder if, if it might behoove sort of the ultimate evolution of everything, if it might behoove publishers to just start hosting internal Let's Plays. And I think you've kind of, you kind of see this especially, um, you know, looking at looking at Blizzard lately, um, you know, with the with, with the beta. As soon as the beta for, uh, for Warlords of Draenor was announced, uh, you know, they let everybody – they were like, you know what? Everybody who gets in, feel free to stream to your heart's content. Even Hearthstone, when that, they announced that, that got streamed to your heart's content. I think even uh, people are streaming Heroes of the Storm. And it's – I think it's one of those things that – like companies that get how like – you know, like the, not so much the industry works, but companies that get their fans, they understand like people want to watch the content. And so – yeah, I think I, I, I you know, I, I think you'll, I think the ultimate result of this is that is that this is a sign like you're going to start to see like more early access stuff, you know, streaming and 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 let's plays for stuff that's still in development, um, you know, stuff of that nature is is that'll be your sort of pre-release media as opposed to just straightforward, you know, oh, we you know went to you know the studio and we got to play a early build of such and such game and we played one level and it was okay like that. 
that's 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 on the way out and i think uh that when that goes so goes metacritic yeah so we'll see it'll, t- it'll take uh take some time you know he says it's now then th- th- i think it's going to be kind of an echo chamber for a bit and then we'll you know we'll start to see people stop not people but actually uh developers and specifically the marketing departments of these areas or the pr departments pay less attention to you know this I mean, we, we kind of live. We live in a world now, actually, for quite some time, where you don't need, you know, uh, the press to really push out your product anymore. Like it's the 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 path to your customers. Uh, it's not a road. It's not like a toll road anymore, where you need you know you need to gain access uh, to your customers. Now with Twitter and Facebook, it's very easy. Like steam updates me directly. I don't have to go to joystick or Kotaku to find another game is out. If I like a developer's game, I can follow on Facebook or Twitter. And then if I, you know, directly can hear that X game is out, you know, which is good. That's good. Good for gamers. Yes. Not great for media sites. Wait, <laughs> no, we, we love Metacritic. Yeah, <laughs> Metacritic forever. No, no. See, we're we're rolling with the punches next. We got some changes coming. Hey, <laughs> Metacritic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh well. And let's move on to our final topic. All right. So there was um, there was a panel at the Game Connect Asia Pacific or a GCAP uh, this week. That actually was that this week. I'm sorry. This is a few weeks ago. I'm reading an older article. From when we were, uh, well, actually, well, we'll talk about it later. But <laughs> I'll tell you what we were doing. Um, but um, yeah, so at, at the GCAP, uh, there was a panel that talked about getting more women in games. And as as you know, it's it's pretty well known. It's been documented, and more than a few articles have come out over the last year or so about the lack of women in games. And I just thought I thought it was interesting because a lot of uh, a lot of time when these conversations happen, the conversation instantly goes to diversity and needing to make the you know the uh, I guess the game development workplace more welcoming to women and you know stuff like that, which I get. And I was having this conversation with Nick earlier that uh, you know I understand you know tar- trying to be diverse like you don't if you don't want to reject a woman just because she's a woman in game development. But my argument is, well, how many opportunities arise for that? Like, how often are hiring managers seeing women? Actually, not that long ago, what was like maybe five, six months ago, the hire one of the higher HR managers at EA says there's, there's, there's she just doesn't get that many applications from women, from women. Period. So, you know, diversity is big, and if you can, you know, if you can hire a diverse staff, that's great, and I think a lot of employers want to do that. I don't think anybody's rejecting women just because they're women. I mean, it could be happening because misogyny does exist, you know, so it could be happening. Um, but I don't think that's, you know, it's that rampant. What well, That reason is not rampant. Um, more so is probably the problem that there's just not that many women that are getting into game development, period. Well, no, that's, that's very true because... Uh... You know, if, you know, it sounds like a stereotype, but as someone who went through it, like the, uh, you know, like the programming and the engineering classes, you know, at the college level, when you know you'd be learning all the skills to learn all this, um, you know, it's all it's all a bunch of dudes, and then there's a handful of women there, and so, 
as far as making sure that there's a, enough women with the skill set to actually like perform these duties, um, yeah, that's that's part of the problem, and that's really that's really kind of where the focus needs to be. You know, it, it's it's one of those sort of self perpetuating cycles. In so far as there's no, you know, there, there's a there's 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 a, a low population of women in, in game development. And so when girls are in school and they look to see like, well, what can I do when I grow up? That doesn't necessarily jump out at them. They think they, they look at other stuff and it, this doesn't even apply just to game development. It applies to programming and the sciences in general that, that, uh, you know, that people are always talking about, we need more diversity, you know, especially from a gender perspective, um, you know, in all of those fields, we need more women in math and that kind of stuff. Um, and the problem is that, you know, the problem, well, one, as far as the computers, what they recently found is that the reason girls never got into computers, because if you think about it, well, one, there were, there were some prominent girl, females in computers, you know, going back to their development. Um, and so it's a little weird to see that, you know, once the, the home PC kind of became, uh, you know, once the home PC became prominent, that women fell, fell away completely. Uh, and that all goes back to the marketing when when computers first started being prevalent in the 1980s. Um, the marketing was all around basically like, "Hey, this is a fun toy toy for a boy. You know, if you're a, if you know if you're a father, get this for your son, and then you guys can program together." And it was never marketed at girls. Girls had like easy bake ovens and stuff. And that you know that that it's it's not even clear why. It wasn't marketed then. I guess everybody just kind of, you know, whoever was handling the marketing thought this is for, for boys. But that's the legacy, or you know, they're the legacy of those commercials. Then is that women don't look at, you know, programming and sciences and, and game development in particular as you know a, a lucrative option for them. Um, and so, what, you know, what we're trying to do here is well, not what we're, but I guess what, what they're they're saying here. Um, is sort of how to combat that, how to, you know, how to, you know, how, how to fight that. Because fundamentally there's no reason, you know, there, there's no reason why any given woman shouldn't be in game development if she wants to be. The issue is that it seems that, you know, they just don't consider it. And that's, you know, they, I think there's a bit of a social change that needs to take place. And I think we're seeing that now, but it's, it's, it's not, it's not something that happens overnight. Oh, absolutely. I, I like the fact that they brought that up that, you know, you got to start earlier. You have to get, girls interested in technology you know earlier than you know college i mean by the time they're looking at colleges uh, you know you're in high school you kind of have an idea of what you want to do you know what i'm saying and that's and just because a girl likes to play video games doesn't mean she's going to want to get into the industry like i've been playing video games my entire life and i've never wanted to work in the video game industry i mean like the closest thing i've had is mash and i'm good with that like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I've, I've never wanted to get even closer. So, I mean, one, I mean, well, for, I wouldn't say that they, they're not, mar they're marketing games to guys. Well, a lot of games are, well, because it's male-dominated right now, but, I mean, more and more females are getting in, interested in video games, period, but now you got to get them interested in programming, which is a totally different beast, because, uh, especially at the time uh, when I was, you know, in high school and kind of choosing what what path I'm going to go as a career, uh, which definitely can change uh, for those who are in high school. But um, when I was choosing that path, uh, I didn't like programming. I didn't like programming at all. I love programming now. And even though I love programming now, I still don't want, I would still never want to be in the video game industry. 
you know, and so that's the thing. Like, you have to get women or girls interested in programming and the advantages of programming. I mean, I, I like programming because I can. It's like you can do whatever you want. You just gotta. You can do whatever you want. You can make whatever you want in this day and age because that you know how prevalent computers are and apps and stuff like that. So, well, I think that's something too that going forward will help everything. I mean, they're they're talking about like ads from the '80s as far as having an effect here, um, right? And that kind of set up the situation we have now. But if you just look at like how ubiquitous tablets are and your your smartphone. Um, I mean, to a degree, everybody, everybody under what the age of like ten is going to be fluent in a computer, you know, already if 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 not soon, and it's I, I think you know the stereotype like oh computers are for boys that kind of stuff I think that will fall away quickly and I think we might see maybe within a few years time as far as people I think the issue is to make sure that. Really, the issue I think is to make sure that at no point in this, the education system are, are girls, you know, kind of forced into like, oh, you go to home ec and boys go to wood shop, that kind of thing. Right. Uh, because that's that's really where we start to get like, you know, gender stereotypes applied, and you know, and then and then that leads to to situations like this down the line. That's true. Yeah. So it's more it's less of a industry problem and more of a society problem because, like you mentioned, like. G- women need to be more involved in STEM fields, period. Like, there has to be more interest brought there. You know, and that goes all the way back from, you know, not just dealing with computers, but, you know, when you're a kid, you give boys Legos and you give girls a cooking set. You know what I'm saying? Or baby dolls. Like that, because that's just what you do. You know? And it's the same way. It goes both ways. Like, you know, I've seen kids, like a guy, like a boy who would prefer to play with a doll and it gets taken away from because of the doll. You know, so it kind of goes both ways. It's a a society thing and not just an industry thing. But yeah, I mean, I I, I mentioned earlier, I I, I totally get the whole thing about um, needs being more diverse, but the the problem starts before that and it's it's not a problem with a quick solution. You know, I don't think women are hearing tales of how bad the game industry is and are running away, even though there are definitely some women who have said their experiences have pushed them away from being in the games industry. And that, I mean, we've, we've spoken out against the harassment before. I mean, that kind of stuff needs to stop. I don't think, I don't think there's anybody who's publicly condoned it other than the people who are doing it. Right. But, uh, I mean, that, you know, that doesn't help. But even as we've seen, seen before, I mean, that, that happens, it doesn't just happen to women, although they do seem to get it out of proportion with the men. But I mean, it, it does, it does, it you know, it does happen to more than just women, though. Yeah, and I think once more women get involved in the industry, period. Like you know, the I guess the environment of the industry will change because right now, like the industry is mostly men, and men do act differently when there's just a bunch of them around and no women. You know, jokes kind of fly around back and forth and, you know, stuff like that. And uh, with women in the area, not in the area, but, and actually, and I want to say this, the same thing goes for women. Women, offices that have more women than men or all women definitely talk differently and have jokes that go back and forth. They say different things and just act differently than if there was a, uh, a mixed office. And I know this because of how my job works. I go to places all the time that are mostly women, 
and I can hear them talk, and it's very different. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it's not what you would hear in a mixed office. So it goes both ways. It's not just men. It's not that men need to clean up their act. And I'm saying that women don't need to clean up their act. But when you're in the office with both sexes and it's it's mixed, it's it's different. You know? And with more women coming into the game industry and working in the game industry, it'll definitely be different. It'll be what the industry needs to kind of clean itself up. You know? But that's going to end our topics. And uh, let's, let's look at what's coming out. Oh, dude, just came out. I was interested in that. Uh, obviously, Master Chief Collection. Well, that's already out, isn't it? Yeah, that, that, that just came out. Um, let's see. Cut Rogue, Sonic Boom. Let's see. I think, what else is coming out this month? So, let's, see, it was old. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Dragon Age Inquisition. Yeah, that did that come out today or when? When does that come? No, out? it comes Tomorrow? out the 18th. 18th. Next okay. On Tuesday. Oh, Mark Watch Dogs Run. on the Wii U is coming out. Yeah, I didn't realize finally. that was actually going to happen. <laughs> uh, Far Cry 4, uh, 18th. Grand Theft Auto 5 on the 18th for PS4 and Xbox One. Shadow of Mordor Middle Earth for Xbox 360 and PS3. Escape Dead Island, which is like a third person, like kind of a cell shaded game, I saw. Hmm. Game of the Year, Hatsune Miku, Project Diva, F second. Joel Couture is gonna love that shit. <laughs> uh let's see. And uh Pokemon uh Ruby uh, Omega Ruby and uh Alpha Sapphire. So those are going to be coming out on November 21st. I just want somebody to remake the original Red and Blue. Can we get that? Can we get somebody to remake the original Red and Blue, please? Please? Nope. nope. That's what I want. But uh, You didn't mention what else comes out on the 21st. What else comes out on the 21st? Smash Brothers for the 3DS and the Wii. Oh, for the Wii U. Yeah. It's already out for the 3DS. Yeah, it says... Oh, yeah, because it says Super Smash Brothers for this. Apparently, there's, say, a, there's a bundle, apparently. Super Smash Brothers for Wii U with a game with a uh, GameCube, GameCube controller. Huh. And an adapter. Huh. Dude, if you have WaveBirds now, if you still have your WaveBirds, man, you are the fucking man right now. Like, <laughs> you have... I'll run and get mine now. Yeah. So keep like the, those who hold on who held on to those. Good job, good job. I gave away my GameCube, but I I think when I gave you it away, the WaveBirds. I kept the WaveBirds. Yeah, I gave away the standard controllers. I think I had like an nice. old Mad Cats thing. I was like, you play with that. I'm nice. gonna use this WaveBird. <laughs> yeah, but that's what's coming out. We're we, we you know we we're at the height, or we've just reached the height of the of the holiday the, of the game. I guess release season because in December nothing comes out. So. Yeah, but we'll see. You know, that's the time when we usually surprised by some indie games and stuff like that. There's really like three months during the year where like all the games come out, and then the rest of it is just dead. This is true. Well, like, I yeah, mean, like, that's when you get the the stuff that wasn't really announced, like the 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 indie Steam games that come out like almost secretively. At least it feels like that. <laughs> that was almost a secret. Yeah. So. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. 
Uh, but yeah, so that's going to bring us to the end of our podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. You can catch us on SoundCloud, which is soundcloud.com slash mash those buttons. We are on iTunes and Stitcher Smart Radio. Uh, we are on uh, twitter.com slash MTB site, facebook.com slash mash those buttons, and youtube.com slash mash those buttons. So, as always, thank you for listening, and we will catch you guys next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. 